Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Yeah, so I have to do that sometimes when I'm really full and I I'm so full that my stomach hurts and I need to stop eating and so I have to hide my food behind my laptop screen so I'll stop eating it. Grace yeah. just had to hide some snacks just, from my line of vision. Yeah, I just had to yeah, cover them up with a cunning disguise. I actually will. You, out I of see sight, you out tune of mind. out. I literally see you tune out and you're just staring. You'll be staring at the mangoes, not listening to my wonderful words and insights. So we're drinking today, ladies, some very, very high quality New Zealand wine. Mm. It's actually from the convenience shop and was really cheap and it's Villa Maria if anyone knows it's not very good but we threw a lot of ice cubes in it yeah, which I was gonna say surely this is not a premium no, it's disgusting drop which instantly makes it chic yes a chilled, chilled red, red. <laughs> chilled red is it's the perfect wine mm-hmm. yeah my housemate my current housemate bought this home the other day Said it's from New Zealand. I was like, this is not good. <laughs> Never get New Zealand. It's like how Oyster Bay is expensive here. Like moderately expensive, but it's so disgusting. You know what? When I was younger, Oyster Bay was, I think in New Zealand, Oyster Bay is actually not considered terrible. I need to do some market research. But if you were young, maybe you thought it well, was yes. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about when I was like 18. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You were like, this is the chicest thing I can drink, an oyster bay. The chicest thing Sauvignon since off vodka and orange casks. Sorry about the ice rattling. <laughs> I feel like that might sound. Oh, my, oh God. my God. Are you joking? <laughs> Sorry. Did you just get that on the tablecloth? I got it on my laptop okay. and a little bit on the tablecloth. <laughs> <laughs> she just sloshed red wine around onto our tablecloth. Yeah, there's a bit on there. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. What's on the agenda this week? Okay, Desert Island Discs, baby. First time I've listened in like five years because of the caliber of guest. Really? But before we start, so Desert Island Discs, BBC radio show that's been going for like 100 years and they ask famous people their eight songs they take with them on a desert island plus one book and one special little luxury item aka treat so what would your treat be cinnamon bun one cinnamon bun <laughs> gales very I mean, short-sighted gales <laughs> what can i take what what does the treat have to be well that just would you'd use that up quickly like i'd eat it in a day oh i, I wouldn't survive anyway Kate, so i might as well have one nice day you just want one <laughs> and you'll 
kill yourself the next day. I'll just die, natural causes. <laughs> Kate's natural was a cashmere selection. blanket, which is very chic and on brand. Um, my cat. I don't know if they're allowed to be. Mm. Yeah, okay, we'll let you have Sheba. <laughs> what would you take? Can't think now. I think I heard someone once say they'd bring like really good quality tea bags. Well, where's the hot water at? Um, you'd boil it with a fire, and there'd be no oat milk. Mm. Yeah, maybe I'd take. Uh, what could you take? I would take like if I was being tricksy, I'd take like a laptop that had lots of movies on it. But it would die. Yeah. <laughs> Hard. Five movies. They take a laptop that had every season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills on it. Mm. A nice, really expensive bottle of wine, maybe. Yeah, like a cask, a casket of a casket. Some pre-made Palomas. <laughs> yeah, a Paloma premix. Really expensive tequila. Uh, yeah, and then just get annihilated and die. <laughs> and find some grapefruits. Yeah. How do you think you would survive on a desert island? I don't know. I can get quite feral when I need to, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I think that I would actually just turn into like my Maori ancestors and start like hunting and fishing or something. I can see you like charging down with like a handmade with a spear. spear. <laughs> yeah. And killing coming out of the, yeah, I, I would bank on you if anyone I knew was stranded. I feel like you'd fish, you'd hunt. <laughs> You'd be like the leader of the tribe. Yeah. The if we were in Lord of the Flies, I'd like kill everyone I was with. <laughs> I always think about Lord of the Flies mm. because I always think about where I'd be on the totem pole and it's obviously like <laughs> mid to low, <laughs> mid to low. beta energy. <laughs> I'd like sidle up to the – because Zach and I talk about Survivor a lot, the TV show, mm. how we'd go. And I'm like we need, we'd need we need to be morphed into one human because we'd need like his physical fitness and like practical intelligence and my social skills and ability to like read – Yes. The friendships. Yes. Because I think that maybe that, even though I can make friends easily, I think that part might fuck me over or something. I'm not, I'm not like conniving enough to, or something. I feel like, I feel like I would get, I'd get played. Like if everyone was like, we're voting for this person. Yeah. I was getting so, I was literally getting like played in the Cayman Islands (laughs) with all the like groups of people that were there. I was like, everyone's fucking therapist. And then I'd try and text someone to be like, how are you? And they wouldn't reply until they needed to like someone to cry to. Wow. That was like rich person survivor. Mm. White Lotus survivor. Literally. Fascinating. Um, Okay. So Kate Moss, I text Grace immediately on, upon finding this out i can't even remember how it came to me but she was the guest on desert island discs once again thank the lord for this diet coke role because yes. now she's having to do press and i realized upon listening to it that i actually had basically no idea what kate moss sounded like and also just felt as though i'd never really heard her speak in her own words and then since that's come out and obviously speaking to you this morning, you were like, no, she basically never does interviews. Um, so this Diet Coke just giving us everything we could ask for and more. And we just passed some Kate Moss branded Diet Cokes in the supermarket and she's done like a hound's tooth design and a leopard print design, which if anyone else did we, it would be so we just tragic. Buy that? I don't know. We I was in a bit of a... You were in like a overwhelmed in the supermarket ADHD ADHD state. I was carrying like seven bottles of oat milk and charging to the checkout. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we'll buy them for next week. We'll put them on the AWD corporate card and just stock up our houses. So we always look chic while we... Wait, do you know what Diet Coke... Do you know what Coke is really missing, which Kate could bring to it, is any kind of correlation with a cocktail... Oh, that's like when Taylor Swift did 73 questions and they said, what's your favorite cocktail? And she said vodka and Diet Coke, which I thought was very endearing. Love. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, that's cute. Vodka Honest. and Diet Coke. I know. That's a cocktail, the Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Zach was drinking Black Russians recently, which are Coke and Kahlua and vodka, I think. Mm, true. Which is quite nice, but it's sweet. I mean, I like sweet. But yeah, I feel like it's very iconic that Kate Moss's first serious 
like first time on a podcast it's technically a radio show but will be available as a podcast first time doing like a long form interview where she's talking as you said for a while about herself and I just love that she did Desert Island Discs I feel like it just cements her place as such a British icon like kind of old-fashioned timeless it's just cool. I know. And also I love that she took it really seriously and she really loves music. So she obviously was thinking about it for ages. And then the first song made me laugh so hard because she she's just so chill and normal sounding. And then she goes, oh, yeah, I got an original classic song. And then Kanye's Sunday service perform it when they do their Sunday service choir. And Kate Moss went to Sunday service once and they performed it. And so she got Kanye to mix it, especially for Desert Island Discs. I love it. I was like, wow. I was kind of surprised he did that, but then I guess it is Kate Moss. Kate Moss. It's yeah. like there's no one bigger than her. Mm. Really, he would mm. be flattered. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, the interview really, I think there's been sound bites here and there over the years about her being kind of pushed, like with the Calvin Klein shoot with Mark Wahlberg. I feel like we kind of knew she wasn't comfortable and she talked a little bit about being pushed into doing nudity, but this was the first time I'd like heard in her own words her discussing it yeah and it was really fascinating because I think she does such a great job of balancing being honest about discussing the situation as it happened but also she just contextualizes it in a very good way I think like when she talked about Corinne Day she kind of said she was my so Corinne Day shot all of those iconic pictures of Kate Moss in the 90s with the bare-faced makeup and kind of ushered in that era of heroin chic, like non-glamazon style, and they were really good friends. But Kate Moss kind of said she, like, threatened to not put me in magazine shoots if I didn't get naked, and that would be a really weird, complicated dynamic with your, like, female friend who's the same age as you Mm. or a little bit older than you. And she kind of said, you know, she took amazing images. I'm really proud of the images now, but I also feel complicated about it. I also was pressured into doing it. I cried because I didn't want to get naked. But I also acknowledge that I wouldn't have had my career without it. And I just like how she kind of, I don't know, I feel like she discussed it in a very adult, mature way. Yeah. Yeah. And there were things that she said that I wasn't sure if she'd said them before because she says it so casually yeah. Yeah. that Laverne, who was the the host, said something about when she was really young and she got signed and she got signed when she was on a airplane and she mentioned an economy I was like you're so iconic she was like when I was in economy class and someone came over and said their aunt was a booker and wanted to meet her and then she was 14 or whatever and was going around all of the agencies and yeah they asked if you know anything happened or if she and she just said yeah like a guy asked me to take my top off and then asked me to take my bra off and she was this child but mm. I was like, has she talked about that before? I don't yeah. even know. Um, and then, she, yeah, when she was talking about the Mark Wahlberg thing, I like didn't even realize they were talking about Mark Wahlberg. Because they were referring to him as Marky Mark. Were they? Is that why you? No, didn't? I don't uh, know. I yeah. just, I just don't know if I like didn't listen to that part or missed the name or whatever. And then looked at it today and was like, oh my god, Mark <laughs> Wahlberg. Um, yeah, they asked if she felt objectified, to which she replied, yes, completely, and vulnerable and scared. I think they played on my vulnerability. I was quite young and innocent. Calvin loved that. She said she couldn't get out of bed for a week or two and had severe anxiety leading up to the shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she said to Vanity Fair in 2012, she said, I had a nervous breakdown when I was 17 or 18 when I had to go and work with Marky Mark and her Brits. I didn't feel like me at all. I felt really bad about straddling this buff guy. I didn't like it. I couldn't get out of bed for two weeks. I thought I was going to die. Hmm. That's so crazy. I know. I really appreciate that she's, like, candid about it now. Um, You know, I don't know. I feel like it's it's kind of interesting to me that we had this Me Too movement where a lot of people were coming out and discussing it and she's kind of waited to just tell it on her own terms in this much more low-key <laughs> kind of way mm. it's very Kate Moss and I think that's why or she alludes to that being why she launched her agency yeah so she can look after her models and look after her daughter so she I remember her saying once reading once that Johnny Depp taught her that the royal family have this um expression they use which is never exp- never complain never explain 
and that's like the key to their longevity and that when they met she was very young he said like that's what you should adopt as your thing and I do feel like the reason she feels so different to so many other models is because she's had that if there's a controversy around her she's never really explained it if she's had something happen like these situations she's never discussed it until now and even when she does it doesn't seem like she's quote unquote complaining it's just she's always had that air of mystery around her Mm, she's kind of singular like there's no other person there's definitely no other fashion person that feels as like mysterious as she does yeah and then she well the host iconically brought up the nothing tastes as good as skinny Mm. feels thing and brought up her being this poster child for heroin chic and she said where is it she said that she thinks she was a scapegoat for a lot of people's problems when it comes to heroin chic. I was never anorexic. I never have been. I'd never taken heroin. I was thin because I didn't get fed at shoots or in shows, and I'd always been thin, which is true. Like, she got scouted because she was mm. really small. But at the same time, she did get much smaller. I don't know. I always – I find people's comments around this sort of stuff just, like, I take it with a grain of salt because I'm just like, okay – you may never have been diagnosed with anorexia, but surely you had disordered eating to be, I don't know, that yes. size. It's just like, it's just, I just feel like people bullshit us so much. A hundred percent. And it's that thing of she was scouted when she was 14, but was expected, like, even if she went mm. through puberty and became a woman to keep looking like she did at 14. Oh my God, it's my sandals. It's your special delivery. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Running down the stairs. <laughs> An audio-only unboxing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've got a DHL man too. There was a period where he was coming a little too often. I wonder if he's the same guy. Uh, My DHL... My dear, sorry. <laughs> I can't breathe because I just ran down the stairs. He was like, Isabel, and you're like, yes. I know, and then I slammed the door on him by accident, and I love that man. He, at Christmas, I had ordered, I don't know, Christmas presents or something, and then we were out, and he called me, and he was just like, where are you? Um, and he uh, he just said he couldn't leave it in a safe place, which I always find so annoying because it's like I'm literally telling you to. Yeah. If it gets lost, it's my problem. But we were 15 minutes away and he waited in the van outside the house for 15 minutes so that he could give it to me because he knew it would be a Christmas present. That's really nice. And that's that same man. Beautiful man. So, yeah, you were just saying that, yeah, she got scouted at 14, 15. Yeah, and kind of like would have been expected. I totally like agree with what you're saying because I'm like she would have been expected to stay that size. And the idea that – I understand that it's hard, especially if you're someone like Kate Moss who wants to be have an air of mystery and not give everything away. You don't really want to be like going into the depths of your conversations about your body image. But at the same time, she was very dismissive of that nothing tastes as good as skinny feels comment. She just said, oh, it was just a little joke with my friends that got totally taken out of context. And I was like, well, it didn't because you were saying that you guys put it on your fridge to stop you eating when you were hungry. Oh, <laughs> well, she said, yeah. So she said her housemate put it on the fridge. She literally was so, – that was, like, the funniest. I can't believe she's not getting backlash for that because yeah. the host goes something, something, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. And Kate goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, like laughing. And then she just goes, my flatmate James put it on the fridge as a joke because our other housemate couldn't stop snacking. I was like, this is bad. It's crazy. I think And they, obviously yeah. they made it they made it like some joke and they were just laughing around joking between friends, but at the same time it's like it's not really that much of a joke when you're Yeah, the joke is that you're not eating. at the core of the joke is still the thing mm. that is like there's a ring of truth to it as far as they were concerned. And again, it's fair enough because her I agree her saying she's a scapegoat in the sense that the industry was to blame and the society was to blame, not her as an individual person. Yes. But I also think that, I don't know, it's, I, I totally understand it's hard for models to talk about openly, but at the same time when they, I don't know, when they try to, when they just say flat things, like even with the Bella Hadid thing, how she said, Ugh. I used to have an eating disorder and now I don't, full, like, full no, stop. No, Bella, you know? yeah, Bella it's Hadid, just not, that's like the yeah. one thing I just – the one thing I really don't like about her is she's full of shit. She's so full of shit with her nose job mm-hmm. and she's full of shit with the eating stuff. 
Now, with the eating stuff, I understand it's difficult because she can't go on Vogue and be like, yeah, I have an active eating disorder, but also, like, you're putting me on the cover and I'm the cover of the face of Fendi and I'm the face of blah, blah, blah. Like, it opens yeah. this can of worms. But just really don't difficult, post, But just like, don't reference it then. <laughs> no, but also just don't post burgers and fries and ice creams and all this shit that you're pretending. Just don't mm. front in that way, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I would I would much prefer if she didn't say – I'm not – like, it's, it's like the thing with the plastic surgery. I'm not asking her to – label everything she's had done i don't think mm-hmm. she should be expected to but i don't mm-hmm. think she needs to come out and blatantly lie about it in an interview when no one like is even talking about that anymore yes and then with the food thing it's like fine you obviously exercise a lot and eat incredibly healthy like at mm-hmm. the very least like if you don't have a disordered eating or eating disorder thing you are very rigid in your routine you work out like at least two hours a day you eat like very very healthily so just don't put burgers and fries all over your instagram all the time and pretend that that's not the case like it's yeah. just it's just annoying it's just like just 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 do nothing don't reference yeah. it at all yeah yeah a hundred percent i know it's a very it's still like we've said this so many times so much is being like pushed in the frontiers of like changing the fashion industry but like the obsession with thinness mm. is just not really you've got this amazing like inclusivity and diversity to some extent but like yeah but not even really how pervasive yeah yeah i mean we i actually really loved i re-listened to it the other day i really loved that conversation we had when we were talking about the mew mew mini skirts Mm. so i don't want to repeat too much of it listening back to our episode yeah i I hadn't listened to it since it came out and i just Mm. like threw one on um, but I loved that conversation we had about the Mew Mew miniskirts and just how fashion just pretends that there's been this huge shift, which hasn't happened because that miniskirt with Paloma wearing it on the cover of ID, they don't make it in her size. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't come in her size. It was mm. custom made so she could wear it on the fucking cover. And that's like every single show at London Fashion Week and New York Fashion Week and stuff. If they have women in there who are not like the normal, what is it? Like straight sample size. Sample yeah. size um they are custom making the clothes but other women who want to buy them in that size doesn't it doesn't exist it's not available yeah. it's just like completely smoke and mirrors it's and so in fucking Paris frustrating and Milan, they don't even pretend to do that care yeah, like they know, haven't yeah. even put the like i see so many shows now where i'm like oh wow you guys have given up even yeah pretending trying. to yeah. try um yeah so it's very interesting i think the interviewer definitely let Kate off the hook a bit there because I've listened Desert Island Discs is because it's the BBC back it's not meant to be like a super investigative journalism thing but they're meant to push them on points that they don't want to talk about and she was very let off the hook <laughs> with that conversation yeah I wonder um, what the deal was with with like what she agreed that she it's so funny she's even doing it's it's crazy that she's even doing this press now for diet coke they didn't even mention diet coke and desert island discs i wonder if that no. was just a separate thing entirely but she's been doing other things this week for diet coke must be a bbc thing where they won't let them spook the product the product but right. her being around is yeah. going to be reported in context with diet coke i think they talked to she kind of controlled the questions because I feel like she would have hated all the questions. Like yeah. they asked her about yeah. her cocaine use scandal. <laughs> yes. Which I loved her candidness with that, where she just said every single person in the industry was doing it. I was being unfairly like the journalists who were reporting on it were doing it, the people that were condemning me and cutting me from jobs were doing it. Like it was totally hypocritical. Mm-hmm. And I totally hundred percent agree with her. Yeah. Um on that. But, um, yeah, the the skinny stuff she definitely wiggled out of discussing. But then she talked about Johnny Depp as well. They asked her I know. about that, which is wild. Well, but she'd I, already mentioned him before yes. they even asked her. She was like, blah, blah, with Johnny Depp. I was like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> And then they asked her about her. And also that kind of pissed me off as well where, I, where she said, so the interviewer said, you spoke out in the Johnny Depp trial. Like, why, why did you feel compelled to do that? And she said, I know the truth and I think that's important or something. And I know Johnny didn't push me down the stairs. What I found annoying, I mean, obviously she's Johnny Depp's friend, so she probably just completely believes him. But I found that annoying because it's like she knows that truth. She doesn't know the truth of what happened in his in his relationship with Amber Heard. And that exactly. kind of just annoyed me. I was like, just say I knew that that wasn't true. And that was the point I could speak on. Yes, but 100%. I can't, you know, speak to whatever I wasn't involved in. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because it's like you know that that has caused this like misogynistic 
witch hunt against. But again, it's very her. She just kind of, she doesn't want to wade into anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So she did a chill queen. She did a dazed interview as well. And this amazing guy called Tom Rasmussen, who I've actually met on a night out and is an actual fucking icon. So I like (laughs) love that he's done this, did this piece with Kate Moss. And his piece goes, attention, girls, gays, and theys. You can sleep easy in the knowledge that Kate Moss is every bit as fab, chic, and filthy as you ever dreamed she could be. Like a foul-mouthed Marilyn Monroe, only someone with a demeanor like this could have a face like that. Any less camp and outrageous, and you'd be annoyed she'd been given the kind of cheekbones most of us can only dream about. Anyway, and then wow. he and then he does he plays a game of chic or not chic with her. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and they're sitting in a room together, and he said at the end of it, he goes, she cackles, she squeezes my arm, and she tells me a series of endlessly fabulous things that must remain totally off the record before at the very end she grabs a red pen and scrawls her signature on my leg. <gasps> yeah. So they played chic or not chic, and this is quite funny because the why do we keep talking about fedoras? They, they I like want to know what she thinks dreams. about every. I just want to list all the things in this room and have her tell me if it's chic or not chic. I, I know. Everything would be not chic. Yeah. So... Okay, wait, where are we? Um, yeah, so he goes, let's say she could not chic. She goes, oh, this is my kind of game. And mm-hmm. he said, the heat wave. She goes, not chic. Trilby hats. And she goes, oh, Trilby, not pork pie. Pork pie, not chic. Fedora, chic. And then he goes, still. And then she goes, hmm, no, hang on. No, fedora, <laughs> not really. <laughs> and then he said, what hat? I'm just going to read the whole thing. So yeah, I feel read like the whole thing. Essential. I want to know. Yeah. What hat would you wear today? She said, I'm a bit over hats, but oh, I did buy a balaclava. Oh, okay, okay. And then he said, very chic. And she said, amazing. A striped balaclava from Mark Jacobs the other day. Gorgy. And he goes, gorgy. And then she goes, gorgy for me and Leela. And then he said, festival style, which you were arguably, arguably the creator of. And she said, at Coachella, not chic. I think Coachella's style's gone completely. And then he said, modeling. Mm-hmm. And she goes, hmm, not chic. <laughs> That's true. All completely spot on. Yeah. I want a balaclava from Mark Jacobs. I know. Kate Moss got a balaclava from Mark Jacobs. I, yeah, I love that idea. Bring back the balaclava. Love. I was considering buying that insane, the row knitted one. Oh, I don't know if I've seen it. It's like a snood Mm. for winter. I was like, maybe this is cute because you put it over your whole head so you're just toasty and warm and have like a little. Love. I'm not pretty enough. Yeah, there are a lot of things. I'm, I was just considering, I was just showing Grace all these photos of models with fringes mm-hmm. and saying, should I get a fringe? And you were taken by the idea, but I'm... I think it will suit you. Well, I have a very large forehead. I don't think you have a very no, I do. large well, forehead. Well, you know what? Sheet yeah. masks would say different. <laughs> Grace? It literally comes up to like my eyebrows. <laughs> I'm not fucking joking, so don't lie. Okay? We all have mirrors. We all have sheet masks. <laughs> oh, Rihanna has a big forehead. Yes, so I know is. that. I know everyone who has big foreheads. But I guess Rihanna has never looked that good with bangs. So I know bangs don't shoot, suit people with round faces like mine, but then Debbie Harry has a round, big round face, and then she had quite nice bangs. And this is when we had this conversation a long time ago in lockdown. And you said, do not cut your own bangs in lockdown. Well, yeah. <laughs> Grace O'Neill. I, I stick by that. Yeah. So I have an oval face. So yeah. does Rihanna. Yeah. And we're both Pisces. <laughs> Could we be any more similar? Could we, and we, we both want to fuck ASAP Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. We need to get you guys in a room together. <laughs> I would have nothing to say. I rewatched fin- Savage Finty Volume 1 and 2 the other day. I feel guilty because I didn't want to say it in our Victoria's Secret episode, but I just like don't care about Savage Fenty and I used to care about Victoria's Secret. So I feel like me saying that implies that it's because it's diverse, but that's not why. I think I'm just over lingerie shows. Yeah. Maybe I, think... I need to watch it fully once to get like the, 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 the no, it No, you will fucking love it. It's all, it's all Paris Goebel's choreography and it's this mm. crazy dance show. It's like not even a – it's basically a dance show. Okay. It's really, really good. Uh, the latest one, I can't – I've definitely seen it, but I think it wasn't as good. But 
one and two, they're on Amazon. Okay. I'm guessing you have Prime like me. Unfortunately. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, always if, I have every subscription under the sun. Same Amazon will be like, five pounds, five pounds, five. And I'm like, what is this? And I go and check and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I'm just subscribed to so many extra things within Amazon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it is very good. But I think the reason we don't care as about it as much as Victoria's Secret is because what I was saying is I want it to be an annual thing, same time every year. I want a big yes. lead up to it. But instead she does it in the fashion week calendar. So I'm just, it just kind of gets a bit lost for me. That's silly. It should mm. be like, that's what I, I stand alone. I miss thing. the um, hype. What is the word I'm looking for? Fever. <laughs> yeah, like the build, like you yeah. know, it's the date. There's the build up, the anticipation, and then the there's a word I could just can't think of, but that will sit together and you'll sit with your friends and you'll buy special drinks and you'll get excited. Like I want that. Yeah. Well, I did that the other day with my friend and watched an old one, the first and the second one, yeah, back to back. Yeah. But also, what I find funny, I just can't, I can't let ever anyone off today. Like, what I can't find funny about that is she, she, what I was saying to my friend is she builds it. Obviously, it is very diverse, yes, but at the same time, the models that she focused on for a lot of the key parts in the show were Cara Delevingne. Random. Yeah, Cara Delevingne is like in all of them, and she's random. What's what's random, <laughs> random. about it is she's. She's go- she's gorgeous and she's she's a good model, but she's not like sexy. I just mm. don't think Cara Del- Delevingne is sexy. She's too cute. She's too goofy. She's too funny. Mm-hmm. And her being in Savage Twenty sticks out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. And then Bella Hadid is one of the other massive ones that they fo- so there's all these other models, more diverse bodies and everything walking amongst Bella Hadid, and she's the centerpiece. Mm-hmm. And another bit, I was like, this is. Raising eyebrows. Yeah. We know what you're getting at here. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just found it funny. I was like, well, if you're going to be so diverse, why is yeah. why are these – and Gigi Hadid's in it as well. And, like, obviously they can be in it, but it was just funny how they were – I don't know. Yeah. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Okay, so moving on, we've been meaning for ages and ages to talk about Christine Quinn, who is the kind of most surprising fashion it girl to come out of this year i think Mm -hmm. she's um obviously from selling sunset and she's the villain in the show and now she's been front row all the fashion weeks she's kind of wait did she she walked balenciaga yeah that's it she walked balenciaga yeah she went to their couture or cruise sorry cruise she went to the cruise show and that was where she was like beside Anna Wintour and um Alexa Alexa Demi Demi and her and someone else iconic yeah and I was really surprised because I I don't watch the show and I'm aware that it's a huge cultural phenomenon and that she's kind of the love to hate her villain of it Mm -hmm. but I never would have guessed she would have been like adopted by the fashion industry in this way and then her being at the Balenciaga show I was like okay that's kind of funny like 
a funny thing for them. Like, it's quite cool that they did that. She suits the aesthetic a lot. She looks like she's obviously tall and quite Amazonian, so she looked great. And then she walked in the couture show with Nicole Kidman, Kim Kardashian, Dua Lipa, Dua Lipa and Bella Hadid, and Naomi Campbell. And I was like, that is really elevating her to this level that I am shocked by. Um, so that's kind of what made me, like, sit up and take notice of how um, – seriously we need to take her i guess because that's like a huge jump i know like no real housewives ever have ever are ever or ever have been at fashion week (laughs) like say nothing of like walking in a balenciaga couture show is like the pinnacle of the pinnacle i know but i do think because it was specifically a balenciaga show it's taken tongue-in-cheek yeah tongue-in-cheek like he's doing it he's doing it to kind of He's doing it to say something <laughs> smart, which I haven't yet properly deciphered, but in my brain it's something <laughs> along the lines of like, you know how there's heaps of like influencers who probably wear his products, who wear his products, who he probably doesn't love wearing the products. Mm. He's he's kind of making fun of that or, or embracing that in some way that mm-hmm. is at the same time taking the piss. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, like if she was walking in something like Prada, I'd just be like, what the fuck? But yeah, I agree. She's, she's. Did you see in our doc yet? The is that what you're laughing at? The ass. Yeah. Really <laughs> I just put a picture in the doc from Daily Mail of Christine, in kind. Of, she looks like Big Bird. Yeah, she's in like a big, uh, ruffled, yeah. yellow, yellow dress. concoction, and beside Julia Fox, who is in a bikini and the lowest rise pants that everyone's probably seen. And sunglasses. And I wrote us. Them hanging out. It's embarrassing. Uh, yeah, like I get it. I feel like the thing with Christine Quinn, I was like, okay, you've done the Balenciaga thing now, like elevate it. And then her doing this feels like silly. I feel like it's funny because if Julia Fox hadn't have dated, I get that if she hadn't have dated Kanye, she wouldn't have become famous. But it's almost like if someone else occupied pop culture the way Julia Fox has, but it happened to not be Kim and Kanye, I feel like Julia Fox would have been in the Balenciaga show. Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Like, she can't be because it's Kim and Kanye. Yes. Are Balenciaga people. Yes. But I if see for what some you're reason mm-hmm. she had become that famous, it would have been but her. with someone else, she would, like, I feel. I feel sad for her because she's just, like, floundering around now. I know. She went too big. With Kanye, like he's too, him and the Kardashians are too all consuming that she's kind of got like nowhere else to go. <laughs> yeah, did you see she did something where I, I, I can't, I posted it on her close friends and then I just couldn't even look at it properly, but she like lit her outfit on fire like she's Katniss Everdeen in the Hunger Games. <sighs> yeah, she needs to stop. So <laughs> the New York Times interviewed Christine in an iconic piece of journalism where she basically just went to a restaurant and ate caviar and then talked about which caviar she liked better. And the piece, instead of like going in, which I is very good for the New York Times, instead of kind of going into her as a person, it basically just documents. A large part of it is just documenting her experience of eating this caviar, which I feel like provides more context for what she's like as a person than like any other details of sitting and interviewing her. Yeah, what I do like about her as well is she obviously is very smart and she played Selling Sunset to her benefit in this crazy way. So she's talked a bunch of times about being like, you know, she worked at, so with Selling Sunset, it was just a real brokerage in LA with all these gorgeous women and Adam, what's his name? Dillavine. Adam, the guy who created The Hills. Yeah, I can't remember his name. um, I feel like. Maybe I'm talking about some like American Idol singer by accident, but Adam, the Adam guy. Levine is right, the Maroon Five guy who haunts oh my, my dreams. God. Okay, so not yeah. him, but this <laughs> other guy who created the Hills. He saw an ad in the paper showing all these gorgeous women and contacted uh, the Oppenheim, the Oppenheim group, <laughs> those little twins, and. <laughs> They had been approached before and they finally said yes to his vision or whatever. And Christine says that she was kind of the only one that was just like, this is a show, they want drama, let's give them drama. And Mm -hmm. she just really embraced it and just went all like balls to the wall being a fucking menace. Mm -hmm. I haven't, I've never been a Selling Sunset. I've watched like 
episodes here and there. It's one of those shows that's always been on in people's houses. So I know who all the characters are. I've kind of watched all of this recent season without watching any of the previous ones. Um, so yeah, she said when she realized the producers had given her a villain role, she didn't fight it. I feel like I was the only one that understood the assignment. I was the only one that said, hey, this is a show and I'm going to give the world a show. Still, she bristled when she learned that Selling Sunset has been nominated for an MTV award for unscripted series. According to her, the show is avidly scripted. There's no doubt about that. Very interesting. So she, in the Unreal podcast that we referenced when talking about Love Island, um, which is hosted by Pandora Sykes for the BBC, they discussed Selling Sunset alongside Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which I feel like was a good in for me to care about it. Yeah. They basically said that Christine Quinn especially kind of actively took on this villain role, but that she really wasn't protected by the production team. So she apparently in season five gave birth just before filming and had like a very, very traumatic birth where she nearly died and the baby nearly died. And she was really like having a lot of mental health issues afterwards. And they threw her straight into filming. And then the plot line became about all the other women finally ganging up to take her down. Like that was kind mm, of, yeah, and it culminated the in this. Plot line is. I yeah. missed that. I missed that happening, but yeah. And it kind of culminates in the final episode showdown where they all get together and have it out with her. And they interviewed the, I don't know if it was the creator or one of the key producers saying, do you think that that's okay to do to a like woman who's that vulnerable? And he kind of basically said that, she's always come across as so like tough and strong and autonomous that she's willing and down to do it. But it does kind of open like the scripted versus unscripted thing opens up interesting questions about like Mm. who's culpable for things. It kind of feels like she modeled herself a bit off Lisa Vanderpump. Love. Don't you reckon? Well, I guess you don't know because you haven't seen it, but just being, I don't know. I think Lisa Vanderpump is so smart and kind of just knew there was more that she could get out of that show than just, the show and now she's Vanderpump Rules and uh, Christine said, was it in this or another piece? She said at the end, like, I don't even know what network there was, but she was, oh, Netflix. She was like, Netflix, like, give me a call or something because she's mm. quit the group now. Oh, she's actually Yeah, quit. she's quit. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I, yeah, at least the Vanderpump obviously came into the show, like, being very willing to, and that was the thing that got her kicked off and like ended up making her quit in the end was that she always had a view of like orchestrating the plot lines inserting herself where it worked and then removing herself when it didn't and then hamming up all the stuff about like her getting swans for her house and spending all this money on clothes that was super hammed up for the show the sake of the show yeah she's amazing she's the best and she obviously like you say always had this bigger view to what it could do for her and like yeah I think 100% you're right what I find just sad and jade is if you were the other girls at the Oppenheim group, imagine the biggest bully at your work, yes. the biggest <laughs> bitch, like a horrible person who treats you like shit, who actively goes out of their way to like destroy you, mm. becoming embraced by the entire world and loved and walking the couture shows and just, and becoming like the biggest celebrity in the world. You would just be like, does karma not exist? I know. It would be so frustrating. with G-Flip is like, this is bullshit. Yes. <laughs> Chris Shell's like talking to G-Flip about it. But it's funny this because. This bullshit. <laughs> Chris Shell's Splendor. Yes. But it is like, that. that is interesting as well because her saying it's scripted is very convenient to her personal branding if she's actually hideous and bullies everyone yes. to say, no, 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 no. This whole thing is scripted. I was We're playing told into what being to say. They made me be a villain. But, like, it's a very easy out mm. of, like, taking accountability for being a dick. And I find it interesting, like, even watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I totally understand that characters like Lisa Rinna and, like, Erica Jane, more in recent seasons, are really nasty to people. But they're still so obsessed over by the fandom. And I find it so confusing because I'm like, no, these people are horrible, horrible, horrible and yet there is this kind of camp yes queen vibe of we don't give a fuck because it's all just fun and reality tv um whereas i like i I don't know as much about selling sunset but i know in 
like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, they have fucked over people's actual lives mm. by doing that. And there's just like no real accountability because the fandom. No, just, yeah. Like, she... if, you're, if you're hot and wear and fa- like high fashion and have catchphrases and are big on Instagram, people just forgive you for anything. Yeah. So no, weird. no. Yeah. She's, she's, she's like done some very evil things <laughs> from the bits that I've seen. Really? Um, okay. So we had a cute little date to the movies on Sunday. Yes. I felt like I was in business class because we went to Electric Cinema, which is like a Soho house cinema, and they have Lazy Boys, and uh, you can put your feet up, and I was just reclining and having the best time. It was wonderful. We saw Where the Crawdads Sing, which is one of these weird things where I feel like I've it's just been sl- like pummeled on us so much that I just know about the book and about the thing. Like, I've just been forced to know against my will. Yeah, I'm surprised neither of us – I mean, probably it's more up my alley than yours. I'm surprised I haven't read it. Yeah, I'm surprised. Given I'm a sucker for a current trend. (laughs) So this book came out in 2018 by Delia Owens, and it was kind of chugging along, doing okay with sales, and then Reese with a spoon discovered it, put it in her book club – and then it suddenly sold like a million copies in six months, which is crazy with books. Like, mm. have we talked about the fact that a book is in Australia, you're considered a bestseller if you sell 3,000 copies? Wow. Like, that's how I think to become a New York Times bestseller, you have to sell like 20,000. Co- it's like Not no many. one buys books. So, yeah. selling a million is crazy. Oh my God, if we write a book and all the girlies <laughs> buy one, we'll be a New York Times bestseller. New York Times bestsellers. Um, it has to be all America. People in America. Mm. Move to America, girls. <laughs> Everyone move at once. <laughs> um, and so Reese with a Spoon then bought the rights to adapt it and she's produced this movie and it is like very Reese with a Spoon vibes or it's a all-female production team and they have Daisy Edgar-Jones in her like first big role since Normal People in the lead. And I was swindled because I swear to fucking God, <laughs> Joe Elwin was in this movie. I, like, I literally one and a half hours in, Izzy whispered, is Joe Elwin in this movie? <laughs> I, like, I was, like, sat like, up no. and like peered over my lazy boy to Grace because I was like, surely where can he come in now? It makes no sense to introduce this main character <laughs> right at the end. He's the judge. <laughs> <laughs> he's that guy that was like, don't worry about it. We'd love to he's publish the book next publisher. Book. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. Honestly, would have like bit my life that Joel was in that film. And then at the start, it said something about Taylor Swift doing a score to it or something. And I was like, mm. oh, that's cute. They're working together. But it was just another blonde man. They are in a movie together. Who? Daisy Edgar Jones and Joe Alwyn. Oh, what? But it's not this one. It just showed at Cannes and apparently, oh, or at Venice. But apparently, it's very sexy. Oh, my God. Okay. Yes. So you're not crazy. And I think it's based in Africa. Ah, uh, maybe. And then Taylor Swift wrote the song for this. So I can see where your wires got crossed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we want to talk about this movie because I feel like it's very highly anticipated and a lot of the girls would like to hear our thoughts on it. But also there's this like red hot drama surrounding it that has been a huge part of <laughs> the story of this becoming famous, which is Now you're entering an episode of Case File. Literally Case File. I can't, I could not stop reading about this true story. It's insane. I can't believe you waited to tell me until we'd watch the movie. I know because I want to. I was. Like, I know. I, I know. can't Thank explain God. the context yes. without giving away the story. Yeah. So yeah. the premise of the film is that Daisy Edgar Jones's character—they live in the marshes in some North Carolina—and mm. um, kind of you know it's really tiny, small town, and her family have this like kind of shack house on the marshes in the middle of like a, a swampy area near the town and they ride their boat to get to and from it. And in the in the movie slash book, her dad is really abusive. Her mum leaves and has like kind of a mental breakdown and leaves and forgets she has children. The brothers and sisters all leave. At that point, I'm like, why don't you just leave with your brother? No, she idiot. <laughs> she stays. Eventually her dad leaves, right? Mm-hmm. And then she just is like, eight or ten years old and growing up alone and learns how to just fend for herself, etc. And then she meets a couple of guys. One's really lovely. He leaves to go to uni. And one is a dickhead who is turns abusive. And then he is found at the start of the film, he's found dead. 
So the whole thing is kind of like this murder mystery where you don't know who did it. They're framing her the whole time you don't think she did it, etc. Yes. And the whole, the thing that I found, so I had a friend explain to me what this book was before the movie came like when the trailer dropped because with some people where everyone was saying, oh my God, I'm so excited about it. And they explained the whole story because I, I don't know. I just need to know sometimes. Yes. You love a spoiler. I love a spoiler. It makes me feel relaxed to just mm-hmm. know what's coming. Yeah. And from what I understood, a big part of why people love the book is how she writes about nature. Firstly, it's like a huge part of the story. And also she's meant, from what I understand, she's meant to be like a literal swamp rat. Like she's <laughs> meant to be this like gross, weird, slightly feral girl yes. that has grown up in amongst nature. So like doesn't wear shoes and is always covered in mud and like doesn't really know how to talk to people and can't communicate and is just slightly nuts. Insert a Daisy Edgar Jones with a blow wave and Charlotte Tilbury all over like her face. Kate Middleton oh in my a fucking God. Sandro ad in her like yes. cotton little co- So it's so ridiculously polished and like. Yeah, that was insane because the little girl yeah. was feral. And then yes. as soon as Daisy takes over when they get to her, it's just like, just why is she, why is her hair so perfect? They always do that. They always have hair so perfect. So, her hair yeah. looked much, much better than ours right now. Yeah, it looked – and her, her, she just looked so clean and beautiful. And she's meant to have got all her clothes forever from, like, charity bin donation offcuts here and there. And she's literally wearing these little, like, shop doen yes. of cotton dresses and, like, little – she just always looks so perfect. So then you're confused because you're like, well, the whole dramatic arc of this movie is meant to be – that these townspeople think she's guilty of murdering someone because they are terrified of her because she's so weird. But then she's just sitting there and she's like prettier and more well-spoken and more normal and calm and relaxed and sweet than like anyone else. So you just, I feel like I was watching it being like, I don't, mm-hmm. I think I'm missing like a big thing of, cause you're watching it thinking, well, obviously she, she's done it or someone's yeah. done it. Yeah. But, but like, you don't get the sense of the townspeople you kind of her. you kind of get the sense that she's an outsider, but it's kind yeah. of like why, and yes. then also with all the hotties in town, like, like all the hotties want to bus her, want to bus yeah. her secretly and go to her little swamp house, <laughs> I, which is like a nowness house tour. It's like this yes. perfectly chic little house in the architectural digest. <laughs> um, Literally though, so it's too polished. So it's too polished, and I read a good review that was saying like it's polished even to the point where. It's meant to be like a bog swamp and it looks like it's a very pretty picturesque, you know, the swamp doesn't look scary. Yeah. It looks just beautiful. No. Oh, but I did say to you just before, how dare they show a crocodile at the start and then they showed a crocodile at the start and then they showed her swimming in the, in the fucking marshes. I was like, as if I know from going to Africa. <laughs> I have been to Africa. I have been to Africa like Harry and Megan have. And <laughs> when I was in fucking Botswana, they said all the crocodiles underneath uh, underneath us. And I was petrified because I hate them more than you hate raisins. <laughs> and the guy said that if I jumped out of the boat and swam to shore, which is like the length of my arm away, I would die be because they would get me. So props. I don't understand how she was swimming around. Yeah. Very, but I liked the film overall. I liked it as well. I feel like I enjoyed it. You know what it really reminded me of? It reminded me of like um The Notebook. Yes. Or like I mean those, less 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 romantic. Like less romantic, the but yeah. like movie wise. Yes. It felt like a Nicholas Sparks mm-hmm. or like a Jodie Picoult, like that kind of lightweight. Cinematography wise. Yeah, yeah. Like lightweight but enjoyable to watch. Whereas I think the book is a, a bit grittier and has a bit more going on, so they've just kind of sanitized it. But what is interesting about the story what a good reviewer said is that like not only did they sanitize how it looks but they sanitized the like central question at the core of the book so we have to talk about spoilers now sorry if you haven't seen it and want to see it stop listening (laughs) yeah for the next well i think we'll just end after this yeah just stop listening (laughs) bye Bye. Bye. (laughs) bye um basically the idea is that she does kill this guy and that her justification for it is because she's so obsessed with nature that nature kind of corrects 
the balances of evil in the world and that it's a good thing, not a bad thing. So the fact that this guy is very violent and would probably hurt other women and is a really bad person, she sees and justifies her killing him as like nature correcting itself. I agree to keep with that approving, logic. Which I, but it's also like <laughs> insane because it's basically saying like. Kill everyone bad. It's fine to kill bad people and get away with it. That's that kind of conundrum isn't like addressed in the movie at all. Mm, well, really. yeah, at the end, very briefly. A little bit, like, yeah. With, yeah. They kind of gloss over it. The reason it's interesting is because the woman who wrote the book, Delia Owens, is now at the center of this like controversy that's been bubbling for like 15 years because her and her husband, Mark Owens, spent like two decades living in Africa as conservationists and they have been embroiled in this scandal for like 15 years where her husband's son, her stepson is, is accused of like literally murdering in cold blood, someone that they suspected of poaching elephants on this like game reserve they lived on. And they're white, obviously from America. The son is white from America and they just fled Zambia as soon as this scandal happened and like the son, the stepson has never been arrested. They've kind of avoided justice. But then she wrote this book, which is basically justifying that happening by suggesting that like you can, if it's going to be, if it's going to serve the greater good of like the planet or the environment, you can like choose to indiscriminately kill people. It's so ballsy It's cra- that she insane. wrote that book. And it's put the attention back on it, it because – so there was a New Yorker article written about this drama in 2007 – or sorry, 2010. And then this book comes out in 2018 and no one for ages put two and two together that that was about the Delia Owens in that piece was the same Delia Owens who wrote this book because at that point she was living in North Carolina, hadn't really referenced her like African past. Past. And now that people have realized it, they're now reinvestigating it because of all of this scandal. And, like, she's been now called in to... For questioning? For questioning. It's so insane. And so... Okay. So this is what they say. Um... But what most of Crawdad's fans don't know is that Delia and Mark Owens have been advised never to return to one of the African nations where they once lived and worked because they are wanted for questioning in a murder that took place there decades ago. That murder, whose victim remains unidentified, was filmed and broadcast on national television in the US. Several sources Goldberg spoke with, including the cameraman who filmed the shooting of the poacher, have stated that Christopher Owens, Mark Owens' son and Delia Owens' stepson, was the first member of the scouting party to shoot the man... Others have claimed Mark Owens covered up the killing by carrying the body, which was never recovered, up in his helicopter and dropping it in a lake. Yeah. Insane. So the... They say write what you know. Write what you know. I mean, this is like its own... Reese Witherspoon will probably make the movie about this scandal. Yeah. To like buy the rights to do it Hello, as well. Sunshine. Hello, Sunshine. Hello, Sunshine production. <laughs> but... The whole thing about it being broadcast on TV is that ABC News, basically the Owens, Delia and Mark Owens, became quite well known because they went to, I think they went to, I don't know if it was Botswana, they went to a different African country and then to Zambia. And the governments, because they're such poor countries, weren't really investing in like animal conservation. And it was at a time where there was this huge boom for ivory. So in this area they were living in, it went from 70,000 to 5,000 elephants in 10 years. That's so fucked Because up. it was just this free-for-all. Like, people could just come in. And the locals who uh, her fucking crazy husband was basically justifying shooting from helicopters and killing wholesale were people, like, poverty-stricken locals who mm. could get a mm. year's salary from one elephant tusk. So for them, you know, it was just a like terrible situation. But they really took this kind of colonial... Saviour white savior complex thing of well if no one's going to help us it's our job to go out and get into like hand-to-hand combat with the poachers and they think that her not so husband might have killed a lot more people than this one but this one happened to be filmed and aired on tv and no one thought it was like no one thought anything of it till years later because they framed it as okay the poachers and the scouts get into these skirmishes and they kind of framed it that 
someone had shot first and this guy had shot back, but now he's realized, no, this man, they don't even know for sure that he was a poacher. They just think he was because he was in the area where the animals are. They laid in wait for him to come back to his like tent. And as he walked up to them, the, the son just shot him three times in the chest. Wow. It's quite fucked up and hideous. And it makes you wonder. I saw some like TikTok discussion about <laughs> Taylor Swift just saying this stuff has all been out there since before the film was made. Like shouldn't people like Taylor Swift and Daisy Edgar Jones and Reese Witherspoon like question why they're wanting to make, make this, this woman so much richer and like promote this story, which I do think is a fair enough question. So crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's like literally stranger than fiction. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.